welcome to episode number 32 of the High Five Download Podcast. With me, actually, yes, is always my co-host, Demetrio Lucero. Yo, how's it going? Um, we do have a guest today after like several episodes of guests falling through. Um, our guest today is Denver-based cinematographer Jeff Scott Pointer. Uh, an old friend of mine that I randomly reconnected with about a month or two ago and told him about the podcast. He listened to it. He got, he's like, you know, I'm a fan. I'm into it. Uh, let's be on. And I'm like, cool. I want you to be on the show. So we were like, what kind of topic could we do, you know, regarding, uh, somebody based out of Denver, a cinematographer. Um, so we were thinking like top five movies shot in Colorado, um, we were thinking that, and then we <laughs> then we were like, you know what? That's uh, like a that, really that's really hard. That's really hard because there's so many <laughs> and that hard. I've never seen. So how could we really give an honest? Um, I mean, honestly, True. our show is just opi- <laughs> it's all our opinions anyway. So, right. but yeah, I, I don't know. We probably would have all ended up with the same list. Yeah, anyway. I felt like that wasn't really a fair topic. So we just like started this email thread list thread of um, brainstorming ideas and. Jeff is basically like, I like movies. I like movies with good endings. Um, <laughs> I don't like movies with bad I endings. I don't like movies with bad <laughs> endings. We're like, hey, how about we do like movie endings, you know? Yeah. So. I was going to say like, it's the end of the year. So we're all thinking That's about That's what I was thinking too. Things. Yeah. So this is Let's like. Let's talk about movie endings. This will be like our next to the last <laughs> end of the year podcast probably. So, you know, yeah. end of the mo- great endings. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Say sayonara to so, 2017. So good riddance. Yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of what we're gonna go with. We um, for our low five initially, we were talking about like movies that looked good but aren't really that good, like beautifully shot movies that just aren't great movies. And then I don't know. We decided like on another. We'll do that for another podcast. We'll save that for another yeah, we'll day for or another something. Day. So Later. our top five. So we're doing top five movie endings. Yes, our opinion. Great yes. movie endings. And for our low five, we're doing. I think there's like a word for this, um, but I, of course I didn't Google it. But um, we're doing like movies that the endings just kept going. Where in a movie should have ended, but yet they still tacked right. on more I, to the end, yeah. more to the film. Th- there's you know? that, and there's like I, I kind of like expanded it a little bit to just include other types of bad endings. Me too, sort um, of. <laughs> so like your, your, for example, like your Duex Machina and those kinds of endings. You know, just. See, Other I think types that's the word endings. I was looking for. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Great. Um, talk about, real quick, Chris, how you and Jeff met first. Oh, okay. How so, you guys met. Yeah. Okay. So, way back, gosh, years we're gonna, ago. We're, we're, this, th- we're, we're going to go back to the film school days. Yeah. yeah. So, this like, is, yeah. this is, like, yeah. 15 years ago, maybe even. <laughs> I don't know. There. Maybe more. It's, it's been a long there. time. <laughs> so, like, maybe about 15 years ago, like, early early, early 2000s or so, maybe. Um Sure. I was in film school. Demetrio was in film school. Jeff was in film school. Um, yeah, we were all in film school together. We were all in film school. Um, Jeff was kind of like uh, one of the better star pupil uh, cinematographers in the school, yeah. and yeah. I got introduced to him by our the head of the school, right. Frederick Leahy. Says, <laughs> is you is need that how we first met? Yeah, Fred- he was like, yeah, I need. I was like, I need someone yeah. to shoot my he was, project. He was the dean of like the, the film school. Because yeah, we were Colorado shoot, film. This was back in the day when we shot actual film. Believe it or not. Yeah, so yeah. Jeff still use actual school. Jeff's analog eight millimeter, can, sixteen millimeter cameras. It was sixteen. Sixteen. Those yeah. those beautiful Aton sixteen millimeter yes. cameras. Yeah. 
So, um, so basically, like, so the, I Jeff shot my two yeah, like final the, projects. The, the school was broken school. down into tracks, so you could go on the editing track. You could be, learn to be an editor, or you could learn to be a writer director, or you could learn to be a cinematographer. And so, we would kind of like when you would do your project, your your final project or whatever, you would try and get someone who was on the the different tracks to help you out with your project. And I think everybody wanted Jeff to shoot their yeah their anything their that st- was anything basically like damn yeah yeah, yeah pretty much yeah. Yeah. Look, he was well, that's very, very nice of you guys <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> so anyways I'd like to introduce guys we just kind of informally so here's Jeff Pointer yeah uh Denver based cinematographer um all right happy to be with you guys I don't, I don't know what guest boned you the last few times but <laughs> but uh, but uh, I almost did when I was driving uh, east on Colfax and I passed the Lakewood steam baths. So I almost just stopped. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Good times. But happy to be here instead. <laughs> um, so I don't know. You, do you want to talk about any – what have you been doing for the past 15 years then as far as uh, shooting films here in Colorado? And I don't know. Yeah, because I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that there is still a film community here – it might be independent movies sure um that they don't you know because they, they don't get wide releases um there's not a lot of press about them sure. and the the, the documentary people are surprised thing. to hear like what there's like there's people make movies here and you're like well yeah like not just commercials or tv shows or sure. anything yeah i mean a lot of people leave colorado for either coast to go make their films right um which is really a shame because uh, there should be more films made in colorado there's 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 no reason not to be i mean this comes down to tax incentives yes. and th- things like that are going to get a little bit too deep for this podcast <laughs> i almost want to get into it <laughs> yeah, yeah i know I my own, but like, i you know the the documentary scene here is is really robust i mm-hmm. mean there's been uh, documentaries produced here that have won academy awards yes uh, the cove yep right? the cove yep uh, for instance and uh, uh, one recent one that comes to mind is 7852. Alexander Philippe, a Denver-based mm-hmm. filmmaker, made a great documentary called 7852 that's getting massive press all over the world. Yeah, the documentary scene here is pretty, um, um, pretty. It's a state. Pretty, yeah, pretty it's impressive. Good, it's good, yeah, that's uh, the documentary about um, the shower scene in Psycho, right? That's, that's right. Uh, he, they, they break it down into like how you know how amazing it was and brilliant it was. That's right. Everything. The whole film is about the shower scene in yeah. Psycho, breaking yeah. down every single uh, shot, shot. And camera, camera setup. Yeah. Um, Not just that. It's like it was also. It also delves into like the cultural impact too. Right. That that. that. But I mean, it was a beautifully shot film too, as well. Mm-hmm. And like it's, it was pretty impressive that yeah, that's made right here in our backyard, and it's getting yeah. national. You know, it's hitting the festival circuit and everything. Yeah. And but so, so for somehow for the past fifteen years, I've been able to make it in this town as a cinematographer. Uh, most of the work I do here is in town. <clears throat> of course, I go out of town to do some stuff, and I've been all over the world on various things, which has been quite exciting. I mean, I'm a really blessed person to be able to have made a living as an artist for yeah, yeah. for seventeen years now. Doing uh, th- this. That's the thing that I've always like just been so impressed about about you, Jeff, is that like you've been able to con- to have this career as a cinematographer and stay in Colorado. Cause I, like you said, you know, it's like if you, if you, I think people feel like if they want to make it, then they have to go to e- either coast, you know, mm-hmm. but you, I mean, you've managed to stay here and sustain yourself and, you know, and be successful. Sure. So, I mean, like what, talk about like, I mean, what, what's led you to feel like I need to stay here and, and make it, I mean, other than the fact that, you know, I mean, is it talent? Is it like, I mean, a little bit of luck? Is it? Well, you know? I, I, I think it's a few things. And, and first of all, I'm not the only cinematographer in town. That no, of course not. That's I mean. making it. I mean, two guys come to mind, really fantastic guys. I know them both. Uh, Kevin Emmons and, and Brooke Aiken, really, 
you know, high-end cinematographer guys. There's another guy named Kent Harvey and Shirley. There's a handful of other guys that are making it, you know, being kind of Denver or Colorado-based. Mm-hmm. Um, but why did I stay? Uh, well, I grew up in Southern California, and I made a conscious choice when I, I actually got a degree in finance from a university out there. And I made a conscious choice to leave Southern California. In 1996, I was going to go to uh, either Phoenix or Santa Cruz, California, or Denver, and Denver just made the most sense. Mm-hmm. And ever since I've been, I, I've been here, it just felt, uh, it felt good. It was a challenge to move um, away from the family and kind of start a life on my own. Right. Um, and then once I got into film school, I just started meeting, t- you know, a lot of people, and things just started rolling. And then I felt mm-hmm. comfortable here, and I was getting work. And why move on? Why move to a bigger market when I right. could get work here? Yeah, exactly. And I don't, you know, at, at this point in my life, you know, too, I don't necessarily. I mean, I guess I'd love to shoot the Hollywood film. You know, I'd love to shoot something for Sean Penn. I don't, you know, I don't <laughs> know why, why he always comes to mind, but I would love to work with that guy. I don't know, Demi. I think I'm just happy here. You yeah, know, I've, I've had a house okay. here for you know, 11 years or so. And, right. you know, the, the, I, I'm just based here at this point. Nice. I don't know if nice. I'll move on or not, but I'm happy here yeah, at the that's moment. That's awesome. Um, can you talk about, like, what uh, some some features you've shot in Denver uh, that have actually that have been Denver-based productions um, that have shot here? Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, the movie Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out in, I'm going to be, I'm going to get this year wrong, 2009, 2008. 2007. I think I think it might have officially. I think it might have uh, Help me out. <laughs> officially been released in 2009. Here's how. Ah, here's how we can trace it. it back. When did the Rockies go to the World Series? That was 2007. Okay, so our last day of shooting was Game One when the Rockies oh, okay. played. Okay. Boston, Boston at Coors Field, Game uh-huh. One. That was our very last day of shooting. If so, if that was 2007, then it must have been released yeah, in 2008. So. Okay, nice. Ten years ago. Yeah, late two thousand eight, maybe two thousand nine, because it took Jamin like seriously ten months to cut that. And he was the director. Of yeah, Jay, yeah, writer director. Jamin was writer director editor. Uh-huh. Uh, he did the music, everything. And if I remember correct, okay, so I think Ink was available on Netflix, and now it's available on Amazon Prime, I believe, probably on iTunes as well. It, um, it's definitely on Amazon Prime. I don't right. know. I don't know what other avenues it's on. It's yeah. it's been through its incarnation on on iTunes and Netflix and sometimes yeah, I remember it, for years it was on Netflix mm-hmm. and, yeah um, sometimes it's there sometimes yeah. it's not and, and it's it's a pretty um, intense I don't know what you want to call it exciting movie that I guess dwells into like what do you want to call it? like fantasy kind of nightmare fantasy sort of it's not sure. it's, it's it's not necessarily a scary movie but it's more of like a thriller I guess I think I think uh, Jamin, the director, describes it as an allegory. However, however you want to, whatever the def- definition of an allegory is, mm-hmm. um, I, I would certainly put it under the sci-fi category. Okay. Um, I always describe the film as, um, you know, just very simply, good versus evil. Okay. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's about redemption, mm-hmm. and it's about dreams and nightmares, and where those right. dreams and nightmares come from. Right. And I always thought that it was like it was it was cool of of Jamin to um, attempt something that big, I guess, because I feel like a lot of like Denver productions are real down to earth, you know, um, movies about relationships um, or you know just regular dramas mm-hmm. about people. It was a big, topic. but he did like a, a big like uh, you know special effects and all this kind yeah. of stuff. You know, it like, was a big thing to tackle, and we we've, yeah. ma- we've mentioned Jamin a couple times. And um, <clears throat> we should mention his last name, Jamin Winans, and his, his wife, Kaya Winans. And they're, they're a, great, a great team, and they've made um, three or four feature films here in Denver. Um, but just a really good, really good 
Colorado guy. He's not living mm-hmm. here right now. He's actually in Budapest, Hungary, for a little bit, writing his next script. Oh wow! Um, so he still has roots here. We get, you guys shot that ten <laughs> years ago. What did, what did you guys shoot that on? Was that shot on digital video at that point? Were we doing HD already at that point, or were we still shooting on film? Well, I think it's a combination of both of what you just said. It was digital veg- digital video, but. Uh, um, uh, uh, 1280 resolution HDV tape. You remember those little HDV <laughs> tapes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We shot that sucker on uh, HDV tapes. Nice. So it's kind of crazy just in the 17 short years just how te- technology's evolved. Yeah. You went from shooting analog film stock that was processed in the lab to nowadays you're probably shooting on a an SD little card. SD cards. Yeah. Just, just cards that are little one inch by one inch that you could put 30 minutes of 4K footage on it's unbelievable. Wow. It is insane. That's crazy. But yeah, when I first started and when we were in film school, we were shooting film. Unbelievable. Yeah. What, what a cool process that was, though. Do you ever find that anybody, can anybody, I mean, I'm sure anybody could still do it, but does anybody want to? Like the people you work with, do they still, does anybody still want to shoot on film or is it something that they can't, is it, is it just a matter, is it a matter of cost? Is it just a matter of like... I mean, is there anything that's, that, that keeps them from not shooting on I, film I, anymore? I saw a thread on some local... Um, Denver film website where a guy was looking for a film camera. Wow. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I think there's still those purists out there who want to go through the process. And I mean, quite honestly, I think it's good to go through the process. Shooting film forces you to slow down mm-hmm. because it is more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you and know, you definitely have to like question every shot, not just yeah. say, oh, I'll let it roll. It right. We, could, we could just, yeah, it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. We can just erase it or whatever, or, you know, go back and do it again. Do you miss shooting on film? Sure, because I would like to slow the process down a lot. I think I think too often nowadays we're just go 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 mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it makes much sense to shoot film. Not not in sure. my world, anyways. Right. Right. You well, know, yeah. I mean, because I mean, it, it, I imagine productions. Yeah. You know, anything industrial projects or anything like yeah. that to pay the bills are not shooting it. Yeah. In I, and right. quite honestly, when you're shooting stuff on a, on a 4K camera with a really nice lens and some good post-production, mm-hmm. I mean, 99% of the people on this planet would never, never know the difference. Know the difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, what what is your, <laughs> this is going to be, uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but what is your favorite shot? Like if, that, that you've either like seen in a, in, in a film or that you would want to shoot yourself, that you're like, oh, I wish I could have like shot that myself or something. You know, what what's like, what's like your, your I, I know there's like a, there's like a YouTube channel called um, The Best Shot. And that's, that's basically all it is. It goes, it goes about through film history and like, you know, showing like iconic, you know, yeah. shots. <clears throat> Excuse me. God, this um, could have been another top five right here. All right. Let, let's right. make that another top five. Um, I mean, Demi, Demi, the answer is probably going to come to me after we leave this session. Oh, that's fine. But, um, it's like, I, I got you, did, you here, you, so. You did put a caveat <laughs> in there. What's my favorite shot that I've ever done? Yeah. And this probably isn't the most beautiful shot in the world that mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about, but it really sticks with me. And it was when I was shooting a documentary called When the Dragon, Swallows the, when the Dragon Swallowed the Sun. It was about the China-Tibet conflict. And we were in um, Tibet uh, shooting in this beautiful little square where uh, people were praying and so forth. And all over the rooftops and all around there were Chinese soldiers, armed. And these guys looked like they were 16 years old, but with like AKs or, you know, wow. automatic. So I got down on my knees and I framed up the shot of the, probably this 90-year-old lady on her knees praying. And suddenly I'm looking through the eyepiece. And in the background, slightly out of focus, I see on the rooftop one of these 
Chinese soldiers that looks like he's 16 years old just looking over her. And I literally started crying. Wow. And at that moment, we were halfway through shooting. At that, at that moment, um, I said, oh my gosh, that's what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. It's about this peaceful lady just wanting to pray and a Chinese soldier in the back not letting Tibet be free. Mm-hmm. I was literally crying. And there's about five, there's about four or five times I've cried with my eye in the eyepiece throughout my career. Wow. You know, that's a, amazing. T- a touching interview that you shoot. Sure, but that's, or, I mean, just the impact. Cause it's, I mean, obviously it's real. It's, you know, it's not, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's not a, a yeah. you know, something that's, you know, set up or anything but and, and it just happened I really mm-hmm. got on my knees to get a shot of this lady and then right. I looked up out at the eyepiece and I saw the guy so I think I put the camera a little closer to the ground and tilted up a little bit and made mm-hmm. a two shot of that and I just went whoa yeah yeah what do you do you prefer documentaries to narrative film or is it does it matter or is it just do you, one you know one one could be just as good as the other it one de- could be depends. just as good as the other okay. sure I, I sort of think I'm moving in the in the direction of documentary okay and in fact whenever I get you know whenever I watch a movie nowadays probably 90% of what I watch is a oh. documentary okay because I'm really sort of a, a, a drama guy a real life kind of guy I'm not a real sci-fi guy I, I like stories about things that really happen to real people mm-hmm. yeah um the but human, I like the human experience. You know, I, I like the human experience. Most, yeah. I feel like fascinating that, that's stories like the, tell, really. the, the social consciousness is sort of like turning to that too. Because I feel like Netflix is full of documentaries now. Like every time mm-hmm. I, I put on Netflix, it's like there's a new documentary coming out. There's a new series coming out. And yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's something that's you know turning the tide is turning. Yeah, maybe. But but Away but from I, narrative, more narrative. Well, I mean, you can only tell the same story true. so many times. Very true. Yeah. But I do really love shooting narrative films because with that comes all the toys. Oh, the, yeah, that's the, true. The grip truck, yeah. the lights, the dolly. That's the thing, too. You, you, I guess you, you have more control over when you're shooting something that's narrative because you control the lighting, you control the, you know, the whole scenery yeah. and everything. Whereas documentary, you have to find that shot, right? I mean, is yeah. that more something where... For sure. I think but, you said it just right. Sure. Okay. Nice, nice. And what was the name of that documentary again? When the Dragon Swallowed the Sun. And that's back in 2008. And I don't know where that is nowadays. I'm sure people can look it you up. Know, it, was, it was on Netflix at one point, but nice. I, don't, I don't know where it is anymore. It's still big. That's great. Oh, one other project we wanted to hit on, though, before we jumped into our top five was the uh, one you shot recently called The Creep Behind the Camera. Can you tell us a little bit more about that one? That sounds fascinating to me. And <laughs> not, now a that I, now that, not a documentary? Not a documentary, but <laughs> it's a real sto- uh, It's a fictional. Wait, no, it's a, it's a biopic, right? I yeah. Mean, it's yeah. a true, based on a true story, oh, okay. and yeah. now that I know it's on Amazon Prime, I'm, I'm into it. I want to watch it. Yeah, check it out. The Creep Behind the Camera. It was directed by my friend Pete Schuerman, who, who's based in Colorado Springs. And by the way, there's a great uh, film community in, down in Colorado Springs, both you know, uh, crew and some, and some really talented directors. Uh, so The Creep Behind the Camera is, is, um, is based on a film called The Creep, or based on a film called The Creeping Terror mm, that was done in 1964, terror. and you should watch The Creeping Terror. And The Creep Behind the Camera is now in a box set on Blu-ray nice. with the original. But uh, uh, The Creeping Terror is, lo- is, is, is widely regarded as one of the, one of the worst films ever mm-hmm. made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it involves Charlie Manson. It involves uh, Alfalfa, the kid from our gang. From <laughs> what were you gonna say, Dave? No, oh, no, wow. no. <laughs> I didn't know that about Alfalfa. He's just like I'm in, sold. <laughs> and um, 
the Creeping Terror gained notoriety some years ago when it was mentioned on Mystery Science That's Theater. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I think they watched it on Mystery Science Theater, and that was how it kind yeah. of, yeah, was rediscovered. It's, wor- it's worth seeing because it's so bad. I'm sure you guys have done a podcast on movies that are extremely bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that should be mentioned, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm, I'm interested in checking that out on Amazon Prime for sure. Um, well, I guess we could just segue into our top five movie endings. We're going to end that interview segment <laughs> uh, before it goes on too long and becomes a, a, a low five here. Um, so I'm going to start us off, I guess, with my number five, and we'll just kind of go in a circle here. Um, so, you know, as <laughs> part of our, our – Email thread, Jeff was like, you know, I'm not a really big, huge sci-fi guy, not into Star Wars, so yeah, I'm going like, to start mine off with well, a Star Wars film. Because so. my, my example, I think, in the email thread was, um, we were talking about it, and I said Blade Runner 2049, and I, oh, didn't, mean, I, 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 I didn't mean for it to be like, we're, we just talk about sci-fi, and that's it, dude. I don't care what you think. <laughs> it's only sci-fi. But so I apologize for that. I didn't mean to for that. Somehow to it always on. comes back to Star Wars, though. God damn it. it so anyway, so I'm going to go with number five. My number five is Rogue One, a Star Wars story that came out last year. Um, I felt it's just one of those movies, like, it's a great ending. Oh, okay. It's a great ending. You know going in, really, that all these characters that you're going to go on this journey with, they're probably not going to survive. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. And um, and then at one point you realize they yeah okay they definitely are not gonna survive everyone's gonna die basically spoiler alert if you haven't seen it already but they the last like half hour of that ending like are they gonna get accomplish this goal are they gonna get these Death Star plans is it really gonna happen are they gonna get this to go through I mean it was one of those like I just remember being on like the edge of my seat for that last half hour and then yes they do succeed but they all die and then. There's like five more minutes that really ties it to the original Star Wars trilogy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it is fan service watching Darth Vader just like carve up people. Yeah, just go to town. <laughs> but I mean, how it was just so satisfying. So that's why that's in yeah. my. That's the one I can remember the most recently, like in the past year or something, like watching and being like, it, that was an awesome it, ending. That was satisfying. It was. It was surprising to me because it. I felt like up until then, like nobody dies in a Star Wars movie really, and. I wasn't expecting them to all spoiler. I was expecting them to all die. And then they did. And I was like, wow, they really went there. Like Disney was like, go for it. Like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's, you know, yeah. I, I applaud you Disney to take that, take that chance, you know, to, and that's, or, you and know. A, it's another thing that they talked about. Like, I know other like fans were like, you know, like it was a reminder that Darth Vader really is an evil, powerful motherfucker, not just, a <laughs> uh, Lego toy that's on your lunchbox <laughs> and stuff, you know. So I mean, it kind of got back to yeah. that, you know. I mean, it was fan service, obviously, too, you know. I agree. But hey, I enjoyed it, so that's cool. my number five. Cool. All right, so I will start with my number five, mm-hmm. and this is our top five uh, favorite endings, right? Uh, my number five is a, um, I guess you call it an indie movie that came out. Oh gosh, I don't even know. Like it was like in the mid '90s, I think, early mid '90s, and it was called Big Night. And it was a movie directed by Stanley Tucci, starring Stanley Tucci, uh, Isabel Rossellini, Minnie Driver. Um, and based, and real quick, this was a movie that took place, like, I think it was like in the early, like in the 40s or the 50s. And Stanley Tucci and his brother um, owned a small Italian restaurant. And 
their whole and there well, was a failing Italian restaurant, and so their whole plan was to have a big night. Um, they were trying to get Louis Prima to come to their restaurant and to garner you know attention and press so that you know they could uh, keep their restaurant. So. Without getting into too many spoilers, uh, basically the ending of the movie, I feel, and I, I don't, I'm a big sucker for quiet endings. Like, I love it when a movie just ends on a quiet note. It's just, it's something that's maybe poetic or just sweet or, or I don't know. I, I just, I'm a sucker for it. So this ending um, is basically Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci and his brother have a huge fight that leads to a, a, a big argument leads to a huge fight. And it's the next morning. And Stanley Tucci comes in, and they're in the kitchen together. And he basically makes an omelet, and it's one one shot, no cut, no cuts, and it's him making the perfect omelet. Like you see him, you see him, you know, bringing, taking the, uh, putting the uh, the, fr- the frying pan on the on the stove, you know, scrambling the egg, and the whole preparation and the whole cooking of it. And he just sits down with his brother, and he cuts the omelet in half, and they share it, and eventually they put their arms on each other's shoulders. And it just ends like that. That's it. And it's like you, you just you you feel like, like you're not watching a movie anymore because of the way that he's, he concentrates on making this omelet, you're just watching this person, you know, do this this thing. And it just ends right. And when it just it should ends end. right right there. Right when it should. Right when it should. Yes, exactly. So yeah. and it, and they just they share the they share this breakfast together. And it ends just like that. So, you know, you don't need to know what happens. You know, you don't need to know do they keep their restaurant or do they go back mm-hmm. home or anything. You know, it's yeah, just, you, it ends you, don't, you don't have to answer perfectly. all those questions, right? Yeah, you don't always perfectly. have to answer all those yeah. questions. I think that's why films go on for 10 minutes too long is because they're trying to answer some questions. Right. They're, they're really afraid the, that the audience, audience doesn't have. Exactly. They're, they're afraid that, the odd, that they, if they don't give the audience that, that answer, then they failed or people won't like it. Um, but this, it's, it's such a fantastic ending to a great movie. Um, and I've always thought that, so that's my number five. <laughs> cool. I believe you. I've never seen it, but uh, oh yeah, I should check it out. It's I, uh, great. Definitely. It's I, a. Fa- it's I, funny. I, I feel it's great. what you're There's saying a... when it's like, um, maybe we don't need to wrap everything up. Maybe some things could be left. The, his his act, Stanley Tucci's acting troupe, which I think he's using in, in other movies as well. They're fantastic. I mean, you, and you've seen them all before in other movies and things, but. Yeah, the acting's fantastic. It's a funny movie. It's touching. It's great drama, family drama. It's uh, it's a really good movie. Check it out. You can probably check it out at the library. At this library. Cool. <laughs> um, all right, Jeff. Are you, what's your number five? Uh, my, 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 my number five or my number one? Uh, we're starting from Num- the bottom. I mean, <laughs> number one worst or number five <laughs> best? Or number uh, that's, that's a good question. Best. So you're, we're gonna lead up to the best. So we're yeah, leading your up fifth to the best. best. How about that? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, th- this is this is gonna gonna. This is gonna sound weird, but I'm 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 so proud of this movie, and you guys mentioned it earlier, and it's Ink. Um. So that's that's my number five. Cool. Uh, best ending. Um. I hope that doesn't sound pretentious to. Uh, no, not at all. I mean, to talk about we're going with what we know, right? I mean, but, I haven't but, seen uh, every movie in the world, so yeah, um, it's it's really just near and dear to my heart. And maybe I should have made it an honorable mention, or I probably should have made it an honorable mention because I have six on my list. But <laughs> well, uh, cool. everybody cheats. But Ink and the way things are unraveled over the last uh, five minutes is just a really touching, um, touching thing to me. Yes, excellent. 
Very cool. Number four. All right, number four. Number four. Um, so I don't know, man. Back in the uh, back in the late '90s, there seemed to be like this trend of like really kind of like twist endings and um, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, twist endings or endings you didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. So that's where uh, this little section of my top five it, like r- relies lies here in the. Um, in the early 90s here. I mean, the yeah, the late 90s. I'm sorry. So uh, I'm going to go with Fight Club. It came out okay. in 1999. Um, David Fincher, it's, it was one of those movies I, I saw in film school too, and it was kind of like, kind of blew my mind, and it was kind of one of those movies that like everybody saw in film school at that mm-hmm. point, and it was just like, we can make, movies are made like, that are this, you know, just radical. out there, radical, yeah. anar- anarchi- anarchic, anarchy, I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say, but um, just, you know, anti-establishment, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. um, basically, major, yeah, the, the twist, studio. you know, you've had, you know, 20 years almost to see it, so <laughs> spoiler alert, you know, at, in the end, it's revealed, you know, Tyler Durden <laughs> is just kind of a character in his head, yeah. and um, he's the same person. He's the same person. He's kind of like his alter ego, you yeah. know, his fuck the world, you know, alter right. ego. And then his alter the, ego and his imaginary best friend. Yeah. And, the, and <laughs> at the end, they, you know, they're up. plotting to blow up the uh, all the credit card companies. Yeah, the, to all like the banking centers. Yeah, erase everybody's debt, which, I mean, yeah. I don't know if that's even possible, but it was pretty awesome to think but about. Still, like, yeah, let's do that. But still, yeah. You know? Not, not, not wanting to hurt anybody, but just everybody starts back. Everybody starts over. Yeah, like a great equalizer, you know, I mean. I mean, it was pretty hokey of an ending, but you know, but I don't know. I liked man. it. I liked it. That I movie still do. Super, super entertaining. I, I still do. Yeah. You know, it's great. It's yeah. just so go back and watch the movie from so beginning to end and just, and just be satisfied. Like that was great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's my number four, Fight Club, nineteen ninety nine, and a great ending shot too. Of you know when they're sit when they're standing there holding hands, looking over the skyline, the city skyline, and then boom, they just the, st- the buildings start to go down, you know, explode. Is that that? Oh, awesome. All right, my number four is um, an old Western called The Searchers. Um, this was a John Ford movie starring John Wayne and uh, Natalie Wood. And this is kind of, I feel like this is this has been talked about before. Like, well, it's, it's mentioned a lot in film school. I think we watched it a lot. Uh, it's analyzed over and over. Um, and the reason I, I, I chose this as my number four is because it's always kind of stuck with me when – I did watch it in film school. That was the first time I think. I mean, I might have seen it with, like, my mom was always into Westerns. I remember watching those with her, like, on Sunday mornings and stuff. Um, And I probably had seen this, but I didn't realize what I was watching until I was in film school and told, like, you can can look at this movie another way. And I was like, whoa, okay, mind sort of expanding, you know, that kind of thing. And so this ending of this movie is John Wayne is searching for his niece who was kidnapped by Comanches. Their fam- his family was um, um, killed by Comanches, and they and they kidnapped his niece, and so he's been searching for like ten years or so. Finally, finds her, and he brings her home. But he's not a good guy, and I wouldn't necessarily call him an anti-hero either. He's technically he's a bad guy. He's sort of like lost his soul, and he's a killer. And at the very end, he brings her home, um, and. The, the ending shot, and I'm sure people have seen this before, is him standing outside of the house, and it's like a frame within a frame. I mean, he's standing, and you see, you see the door frame, 
And he's not allowed. Well, it's not that he's not allowed to come in the house and be a part of his family. It's just that he can't do that. And so he's left to wander sort of like in this limbo state. And once I understood that, I was like, oh, okay. so this is a different way to look at, you know, what what a director means when he's you know showing this to you. And I was like, "Eh, okay, no, no, I like it again. And so anyway, that's that's uh, why imagery like that is so cool in films. When you you have a shot like that Mm -hmm. in all the subtext and that that's that's exactly so fun when you you just. When you could do that, and you can realize those, those that was kinds of things. Natalie Wood, yeah, Natalie Wood mm-hmm. was the girl in that. Was the girl, yeah, was the one who got who was kidnapped and and uh, well, as well, she she plays you know, of course the the old, well, as, as the niece as she's older, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and John Ford was the one who directed it. So yeah, that was my number four. Awesome. All right, Jeff, number four. My number four, Usual Suspects. Okay, mm. I figured that would show up on this list. I, I kind of left it off because I knew somebody would put it on. So. Some people are just haters of this ending, but it really works for me because, you know, when a film ends, I don't want to think too much about it. I don't want it to be too ethereal and too abstract. Like, I, I want to know, you know, right. what, what happened. Right, I think that's that's a big problem so when sometimes. He st- when he stops limping at the end and yeah. I think he lights a cigarette or something so slick. Like, like that. It's, it's such a, you, you know, people gasp, I think, when, when they first see that. And that's, mm-hmm. that's that late 90s twist ending yeah. that I was mentioning yeah. earlier too yeah. totally absolutely yeah. and just the film in general i thought was just really solid mm-hmm. i agree yeah that was another one of those like that was one of out, my favorites God, when did it come out 95 maybe 90s probably like right around that like pulp fiction mm-hmm. era and it, i just remember that being like one of those essential viewings too if yeah you're, like great film noir too somewhat into mm-hmm. film or you know back yeah. in the late 90s mm-hmm. and I just remember just being shocked when I isn't yeah. he walking down the steps of the yeah. police station and he, and he stops limping he stops yeah and, he, st- he stops limping and, and, and he, he corrects his hand, hand and like, everything Whoa. and you're like oh, how come I didn't see that coming <laughs> exactly exactly yeah awesome well I'm gonna keep us rolling awesome. with that uh, late 90s <laughs> deal we were talking about here and I'm gonna go with my number three is another film by David Fincher with Brad Pitt as well, and it's going to be Seven, 1995 Seven. <laughs> What's um, in the box? What's yeah, and Kevin Spacey too. You know, perfect yeah, Kevin uh, transition here. But I mean, there's a few actors that make two <laughs> that, appearances there. It was one of those, um, you know, it's it's such a great noir story, detective story. You know, they're chasing this serial killer who's, uh, you know, always one step ahead of him, murdering people u- using the seven deadly sins. And then just the ending, the ra- you know, the ending was wrath or whatever. Feel his wrath. And he, you yeah. know, spoiler that, alert, it was, you it know. It was envy and wrath. Spoiler, yeah, spoiler alert. Because um, his was envy and then Brad Pitt's is wrath. Yeah. yeah. So he completes the cycle or whatever. Right. So, you know. Yeah. You've had 20 years to well, see it. Spoiler it was, alert, you know. His, and again, it was. I he mean, murders <laughs> his fiance and. <laughs> puts her head in the box. And I'm not trying to compare Rogue One to Seven, but again, it's like one of those where you're shocked that it doesn't have a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. You're like, whoa, they went there. And mm-hmm. I guess the studio fought like fought tooth and nail to not have that ending for Seven. No, oh, it would have been so unsatisfying though. Right. You know? I mean, like. That they, they, they pleaded and they tried to pay them more money. They said, you know, can you just have it that she's, it's, it's not her head and he thinks it's her head, but she's actually okay. And you know, just ev- every they threw everything at the director mm-hmm. to not do that. Really, and that whole discussion went down with the studio. Oh my god! I, I read this really cool book um, uh, that was about Hollywood in the '90s, and I guess like David Fincher had just, you know, he Brad Pitt basically had to had to say like, I'm going. Well, the only reason I'm going to do this movie is if that ending stays the same, and that's the only way they got that they got that done. But the studio tried everything. They were like, you can do whatever you want in your next movie. We'll we'll give you a you know yeah. a blank check. Just please, please don't don't do this ending. And 
He is, steadfast. And this is four years before Fight Club, so that's why I kind of put it a little bit higher. Because yeah. it was more, I didn't, you know, it was, it was a lot more shocking at the mm-hmm. time. You know, like, okay, a twist ending from David Fincher and Brad Pitt four years later. N- equally great, but not as surprising. You know, right. the impact wasn't quite as yeah. heavy. Well, shocking. So shocking. So, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, Disturbing. I forget whose head was in the box. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow's. His, okay. his fiance's. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, they were married. Oh, they were? The, I yeah. can't remember. Oh, yeah, they were newlyweds. That was it. They were and newlyweds, they the and she was pregnant. Oh, God. So it's like yeah. it just adds on. You're like, good God, <laughs> and I got to go home and take a shower because <laughs> yeah. I feel so dirty. This is awful. So, yeah. Yeah. Seven. Seven. That's a perfect, yeah, that's like that's on my old mentions. Very cool. All right, so that was number th- three. 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 All right, so my top three. I'm going to try and get into a theme here as far as like endings go, and you'll and I hope that it, it makes sense when I'm done. So, uh, my number three is uh, Woody Allen's Manhattan. And Woody Allen, I know, but uh, <laughs> Manhattan came out in 1979, I believe. Um, and the ending of this movie um, is a it's an homage to another movie that'll, that'll show up in my later on in my list. Uh, but basically. It ends with him confronting uh, this this woman that he broke. Well, not woman. She's a young lady. Whatever. <laughs> this uh, his his former girlfriend, and he's trying to get her to not leave um, the country. She she's getting ready to go be um, an acting an actor somewhere else, and um, he's real. He comes to her and he t- you know tries to like win her back basically, and they have this conversation about you know like he doesn't want her to change. He doesn't want her to become corrupted. And she's telling him, you know, you need to basically, he finally tells her, like, you know, you need to learn to have faith in people. And the movie ends, again, like I, like I said, I'm a sucker for, you know, quiet endings. And when he tells her that, you know, this is, this is Woody Allen, who is, you know, the most skeptical, neurotic character probably in all of, you know, cinema. So, you know, when he tells her that, he realizes, like, whoa, like, that's, that, that, that changes my whole fundamental being you know and he looks at her skeptically and then slowly he has this he he grows this big smile on his face and then it ends with like you know the skyline of new york city and rhapsody in blue and everything and it's just a it's just such a i don't know it, it's 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 something about the the, the human emotion and, and him changing his um him Becoming someone, or you know, changing his his personality, becoming learning to, to grow and become someone else, and so I've just always liked that and, and that ending, um, and I guess it, it kind of like it, it goes with um, you're you're just I don't know if you, it's it's like what's the tone of a man you know what are our regrets and and that kind of thing I, I I get deep into it but you know it's it's a it's a good it's a good ending so. I'll just leave it at that. All right. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen that. I can't yeah. remember it all that well. But I remember seeing it in film school as well. Yeah. So. But even if you're not a Woody Allen fan, you should see the film for the cinematography. Cinematography, yes. And that's I mean, one of the reasons I picked it. And this yeah, is Gordon this, Willis. This is black and white stuff. Mm-hmm. This is Gordon Willis. Black and white when the guys were true masters at lighting. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gordon it's considered Will- one, of the, Willis. one of the best looking movies of all time. Sure. And Gordon Willis, the, the cinematographer, did the whole Godfather series yep. too, yep. right? So yep. a real... A real yeah. master, and that's and that's and that goes with the ending, you know. With the ending, when we have, you know, like I said, we have the Gershwin, and then we have just this the, the New York skyline at night, you know, and it's it's such a uplifting kind of ending, almost. So yeah, it's a good one. Cool. Uh, my yeah. number three. Are we going to do honor, honorable mentions? Oh yeah, yeah we'll hit that after at least a couple for honorable sure. mentions. Yeah, we'll okay. uh, My number three: Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Nice. 
Awesome. Um, That's all my honorable mentions, speaking of. <laughs> is it good? <laughs> so uh, uh, really just always, always loved that film. And again, I think it just um, ends when it should. Mm-hmm. And I think it quite literally ends for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yeah. Kid, even, even though it, <laughs> ends, up, it <laughs> yeah, ends on a freeze frame and mm-hmm. there's no evidence that, that they were killed. But there is no way out of that when there's right. 500, was it Peruvian soldiers? Yeah, Peruvian soldiers, yeah. <laughs> Firing down on them. When they're cornered, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think there's something to be said about the the lost art of the freeze frame ending. <laughs> you know? I think there are some movies that, that ended really great with a freeze frame. 400 Blows. Mm-hmm. That was a freeze frame ending, um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and you don't see that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's considered old fashioned or something, but I, I've always kind of dug it. And like you said, like it's it's a complete. I don't know. Which we we could get into the deep like analytical reason. You know, it's it's a it's it's a moment frozen in time or sure. whatever. You know, but uh, yeah, I've always sure. I've always enjoyed that ending. Too. And just in general, what a beautiful movie that is. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. I, I I think so. I filmed I, in Colorado. Uh, uh, Parts of it. Yeah. 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 Well, here we are merging our ideas. Yep. It's pretty good. It's coming together. <laughs> I like it. Cool. Um, well, I guess that brings us to number together. two. Um, number two. Number two. I'm going to go with the movie that I feel is pretty uh, beautifully shot as well. One, probably just one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Michelle Gondry's 2000, 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And um, it's just such a weird psychedelic uh, love story really and basically in the end they they both have gone through these treatments to erase their memories of each mm-hmm. other and yep. they still love kinds of kind of finds a way they still like reunite on this beach yeah. you know and um, and it's just like I don't know it's like a, just a great ending to because it's not nothing's really resolved totally it's kind of like it's there's almost a, a, yeah there's like a theme of like love kind of finds its way yeah it's but at the same time, yeah, and it's a you know, non, I, 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 that's because yeah, you I, know, I, and, and and they're talking about like maybe we should get back together, you know, like but they don't know both, each other. Yeah, exactly. Right. But they and then they they basically decide like if they don't, you don't know what they they end up deciding to do. But right. it's right. like it's an ambiguous. She says basically like if we do get back together, we'll probably just end up breaking up again or whatever. So right. it's kind of like. The, the know, circle, it's, yeah, you know, it's it's basically yeah, it's a circle of like you know, are they gonna re, you know live die repeat this over and over again, and you don't know, but you know it's like you you you've experienced it before, and you know mm-hmm. is this what we do? So, with each I other? mean, just so just like the idea of the movie, and just it's such a like radical, weird concept that it just had to end that way. I feel like you know, like if it had like a happy like a just happy absolute resolution, it might mm-hmm. just not have fit the whole movie you know? right so right that's my number two eternal awesome. sunshine eternal sunshine the spotless mind the spotless mind cool my number two is um paul thomas anderson's magnolia from 1997 <laughs> 98 i think so i don't know and uh like i said i'm working with the theme now so i'm going to the very very end uh we i think a lot of people who have seen this movie know what i'm t- think that i'm talking about the frogs raining from the sky um, and that climactic ending, which is cool, I, you know, that's that, that's that's neat. But I'm talking about the very end when um, John C. Riley, who plays this really nice kind of bumbling police officer in the movie, um, had been on, and he's a lonely guy, so he goes on dates with um, this character, with this woman, and she is the daughter of one of the producers. There's, there's, it's like an ensemble kind of like movie, a uh, bunch of characters, 
And she's she's like a broken person. She's a drug addict who surrounds herself with, um, you know, TV and loud music to drown out, you know, her past, I guess you can say. Um, and at the very end, so, you know, he, they, they try to, they, they go on like a blind date and they have a connection, but she feels that she doesn't deserve love. And so she rejects him and she, you know, calls him names and basically makes him feel bad because she doesn't want, you know, she doesn't want him to get too close because that would be, she, she doesn't feel like she deserves it. Like I said. So at the end of the movie, he shows up at her place uh, in the morning and sits down on her bed. And the song is, I think it's Amy Mann's Save Me, is playing on the soundtrack. The way Paul Thomas Anderson does it, it drowns out whatever John C. Riley is telling her. But you can kind of make out that he's saying, like, you know, like he's, he's going to stay. He's, he's going to, he's gonna, he thinks that we can make, that they can make this work, um, that there's something here that, that's worth saving. And, she, and so Paul Thomas Anderson, he slowly zooms in on her face. It's very slowly. And she's looking at John C. Riley, and she has these tears in her eyes, and she's nodding her head in agreement. She knows, like, okay, you know, she, she's coming to, to, to understand that, you know, that, um, that she isn't a bad person and that, you know, she does deserve a shot at redemption. And just as, like, it zooms in on her face and her face almost fills up the whole screen, she looks directly at the camera and gives this weird smile and then it cuts to black. And you're sort of like, I feel like you feel like, you know, you're kind of like this voyeur who's like, who's kind of like listening in on a conversation. And as he's zooming in closer to her face, you're kind of getting closer, like trying to listen to what John C. Riley's saying. And then when she looks at you, it's like being discovered or something. And as an audience member, you're like, whoa, like what, what the hell was that? You know, did she see me? Did, did she see me that I was like listening in on her conversation? Like, it's so it's such a weird kind of like shocking, strange moment because the smile on her face is peculiar. And the fact that she's looking right at the camera. And so it, I, I've just always that's always stuck with me. It's always been like this, like weird. I don't know. Um, uh realization that you know the fact that she breaks that fourth wall and uh and and you become a part of the story or the movie i don't know oh, interesting yeah the, the way you're describing all that I, I can't help but think of the, Mo, the of the mona lisa yeah how the yeah. mona lisa looks at you and, that, and, and she's got that's that, a good that, point that, i never thought little, about that. that little smirk i wonder if, yeah i wonder if you watched it again if you've if, if there was uh, a i'm gonna have to go back there. and think about that think about the mona lisa and watch that scene again but and i never thought about it until just just right. the way you were just describing mm -hmm. it yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's a peculiar, it's a peculiar part. Um, it's, I mean, the whole movie is, is I think very good. I've, I've, I've always enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. But that part is just so peculiar. It's such a strange choice for the director to do to like, you know, have the, the character of the movie look at you and be like, you know, Hey, <laughs> it's a really bold, it's a <laughs> really boom. bold, bold choice to have one of your actors look yeah. at the camera and break yeah. the wall. At the, especially at that, at the very end. Yeah. And you know, you're kind of left with like, what what what's going on? You I wonder know, if like, there was an alternative ending, or if he just <laughs> boldly went at it. I could see him just boldly going at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's uh, again the I whole. Mean, there's the, there's the whole, a whole you can interpret that so many different ways. Too, exactly. As, as I'm thinking, you know, I mean, like, and I'm thinking that whole movie is just kind of like um, little slices of mm -hmm. all these different people's lives, right, you know. Right. And, and like at the end, she knows you're in on just getting a glimpse you're not gonna yeah. get the whole yeah story exactly. but you're like, gonna like get you, a piece you've broken through you know? and, and now you're a part of it but and you're not gonna you know but again it's that it's that it's that i it's that you know that connection you're making with with someone who is smiling again at, at the camera well and i mean like that's Allen. what that movie's about it's just about 
people connecting or yeah. at, at trying attempting to, re- to connect, reconnect, yeah. attempting to connect yeah. and not necessarily. Right. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> Cinematographer Robert Ellsworth. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, he did There Will Be Blood and Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Oh, Those man. are amazing. <sighs> there Will Be Blood is a beautiful movie. Well. Paul Thomas Anderson. Did he? Yeah. Pretty good ending, too, there, too. Yeah. Yeah. He was probably nominated for that. He probably was, yeah. All, All right, right, Jeff, number two. Where are we at, number two? Number two, yes. uh, Brad Pitt's going to make another appearance. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I like Brad Pitt. Hey, man, he's I think, great. I, I think, I think he's, he's a great, great actor. actor. Um, a River Runs Through It. Okay. Oh, uh, nice choice. Again, guys, I love slow-paced movies, uh-huh. real movies. This is a real drama between two brothers yeah. and a father, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt being the brother who's loved but isn't yeah. living the best life in the world. Right. yeah. And Craig Craig uh, Schiefert, I think is how you pronounce his his last name, is the brother who's doing the right thing in life, but is yeah. not as loved. Right. Which yeah. is almost exactly the scene, uh, the, the the same theme as um, Legends of the Fall. By yeah. the way, yeah. In Legends right, of yeah. the Fall, Brad Pitt is the is the brother who's loved but's not but isn't leading such a great life anyways right. i don't want to get off on legends of the yeah. fall because that okay. doesn't play into this discussion <laughs> but um a river runs through it uh, near the end of the movie brad pitt uh dies mm-hmm. in, in a spoiler bar alert. fight it's too late to see say spoiler <laughs> alert after this whole episode's a 20 year movie this whole episode's a spoiler you're supposed to say spoiler alert before you say it so uh, brad pitt dies near the, near the end of the movie and the father asks the other son um is there anything else i should know and the son says, yes. All of the bones in his left hand were broken, indicating that he went out fighting. Right. And that's who yeah. Brad Pitt, well, that, that's the character he was mm-hmm. um, in that film. Um, but, uh, and then there, I, there's another short scene and another short scene, but uh, the final shot of the movie is of, of um, an old man fishing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he is, the old man that we see fishing is essentially the narrator of the film, I, I think, if, if, if I recall. And Robert Redford narrates this. And if I could read something from the book, A River Runs Through, oh, yeah. written by Norman MacLean. Um, this is just some of the, just really some beautiful writing. First of all, I love fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last lines of the movie are as follows. Eventually, all things merge into one, and a river runs through it. The river was cut by the world's great flood, and runs over rocks from the basement of time. On some of the rocks are timeless raindrops. Under the rocks are the words, and some of the words are theirs. I am haunted by waters. Now, I don't know how you write something that good. I mean, I don't know if you <laughs> or the audience likes that, but I love that. And mm-hmm. boy, when you could string words like that together. Yeah. So that's the ending of A River Runs Through yeah. It. And, and it's, 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 I mean, it talks about, I mean, like what, like, like, passage of time and and regret it's like uh, saying all those things in such a poetic beautiful way you know without having to say those things how know? do you say all those things in four right. or five yeah. sentences exactly I mean, like, like, that. Like, like, like that like that and in the magnet scope of things we're, right. we're here for a brief moment yeah. Yeah. yeah that's pretty pretty powerful yeah Good stuff. All right. That's a good, that's a good ending. Right. I, I didn't even right. think of that one. I would want to add that to my honorable mention. I will add that to my honorable mention. <laughs> honorable <laughs> mentions cool all right, a billion of them. Brings us to number one. Number one. My number one is, it's a movie I saw when probably way too young to see it, actually, when I first saw it. Seen it many, many times over the years, and it is 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Um, it was one of those f- movies that 
as a kid, the ending did shock me. And like now looking back as like film mm-hmm. history and like, I just realized how radical that movie was to begin with and the ending as as well, you know, I mean, spo- you know, spoiler alert, this whole episode is, you know, the, the, the main character, the main guy that survives the whole ordeal, the whole night of the living dead. Right. Uh, first of all, he was an African-American lead, which was extremely rare, I guess, back in 1968. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was the one that was smart enough uh, to survive, to survive yeah. the whole, you know, or, you know the, the whole, whole being trapped in this farmhouse with, surrounded by <laughs> flesh-eating zombies, mm-hmm. and so at the very end, you know, he it's morning day, you know, the day the day has the sun has come up. Um, he hears gunshots outside, realizing that obviously there's somebody there. You know, help is on the way. You know, and as he's right. leaving the cellar of the the farmhouse, he looks out the window. One of these, a white man, you know, just shoots him, thinks he's a zombie, kills thinks, him. Yeah, thinks in quotations that he's thinks a zombie. Thinks he's a zombie, and then that's it. Our lead, our lead just yeah. kid, He survives the night just to be killed. Just to be killed. And to be, and then the, the, it ends with, like, still images, kind of like stock footage, look at, you know, and, and, and they're, they just, like, grab him with the rest of the zombies' meat hooks and throw him on the fire and burn mm-hmm. him up. And, yeah. I mean, it's just, like... Such a radical ending, man. I mean, the hero is supposed to survive, man. Yeah. The hero is supposed to make it, you know. And for all of his like valiantry, he still, yeah, you know, lives in this world that doesn't appreciate. Yeah, who and he I is mean, in the you can read into of, the political you know. context a million different ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's super unconventional, and you know, an ending like that these days, I guess. Is could happen. I mean, I, we just talked about Rogue One. They're supposed to all survive, so, uh, but they don't. And same with that movie. So I bookend my top five and top with downers. Num with downers. Yeah, <laughs> where, where everybody dies. So uh, you got the downers. I got the hope. All right. Cool. So. Well, there's my top five. <clears throat> nice. Yeah, that's that's definitely on my honorable mentions. Uh, Night of Living Dead ending is pretty iconic, um, and you know for as early as it was, you know, in terms of like, you know, when it came out and everything. All right. So my number one, um, so I think this kind of goes, this was the, this ending was the inspiration for both Magnolia and Manhattan, where I think they literally just took, they literally just took it and made it their own, but used the same ending shot, whatever. And that is Charlie Chaplin's City Lights. And this movie has been called by critics as, having the best ending of all of all time, of all films, cinema, whatever. Um, quick synopsis for those who don't know. Um, Charlie Chaplin is the tramp, of course. And the, in the movie, he is trying to get money for this blind girl that he just randomly meets and, um, you know, takes has, has sympathy for. And then he uh, wants to get her this uh, surgery that'll give her back her eyesight. So he does these random jobs and she thinks that he's like a millionaire or he's rich or something. Um, so finally at the end, he's able to, um, get her the money, but he goes to jail. Watch the movie. Yeah, I'm not gonna get too much in the context, but, um, he randomly runs into her again at the end and he knows who she is, but of course she doesn't know who he is. And so the very ending is they, they finally come together and she looks at him and just by, you know, the sense of touch or whatever she un- she realizes um, that that it's him, and she sees him for who he really is, and he's apprehensive and he's afraid because he doesn't want her he doesn't want her to know that he's basically you know 
you know, homeless or, you know, a bum or whatever you want to call it. And, um, she, he, and then I think there's, there's like a quote, well, it's not a line because it's a silent movie, but he says, you can see now. He asks her, can you see? And she says, yes, I can see you. And then he slowly, his apprehension changes to joy and he smiles and he has this great big smile on his face and it is fantastic. And it just ends like that. That's it. It ends. And, um, you know, it's, it's filled with hope and, and joy and all those things. And it's just, you know, it's, it's classic. So. I love it. I actually haven't seen it, but I want to. Yeah. It's, now. you know, it, it, I think it's been, it's like I said, it's been said that to be one of the best and the, the best ending of all time. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's, uh, also, you know, like consider like some of the greatest acting of all time, you know, so awesome. definitely, uh, if you haven't I don't seen think it, I've seen it. So give give I it a, give it a good look. I'll you know, look into that. Here. Good pick. It's you know we're talking about like you know, you know human interaction. You know what's what's you know the, the canvas of the human face or whatever. You know and that's how we we you know we 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 get our basic um, uh, interaction. Is I think that a lot of filmmakers, well, especially Charlie Chaplin, he he realized that, and a lot of filmmakers since then, you know, have used that kind of like shot to you know end their films. I like how you tied that all together. Though. Thanks. That was my point. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of what I was trying to good do. Good job. So. Nice put a bow on it. Real nice. Thanks. Yeah. So that was my number one. It really ties it together. Best ending of all time. All right, cool. Good list. Good list. That brings us to our guest. Jeff's okay. My number, number one. one uh, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Nice. Um, That's a cool ending. It's just oh cool. Oh, boy. It's I cool. Ju- I just remember watching it going and, and. And and it did. It ended right there, and I was just <laughs> so happy. To to recap what what happened, um, there there's a one of the one of the main characters is on the bridge, and he's gonna throw some guns over the bridge into the river to get rid of the evidence or mm-hmm. something, right? Right. And he throws them over the bridge, but they get they don't make it all the way to the water because they land they land a few feet down on this landing, and he's right. like, oh gosh, you know, now I gotta. So he reaches over. <laughs> He reaches over to shove the guns off into the river. And right when he's doing that, his buddies call him on his cell phone to tell him those guns are actually very valuable and yeah. don't get rid of them. Yeah, they're antiques. They're so, worth millions of dollars yeah. or something. Yeah. So the guy on the bridge is holding onto the bridge, I think, with one hand. Right. He's got the guns in the other hand and the cell phone in his mouth and the cell phone's ringing to tell him not to throw the guns. Yeah, and his friends are also like rushing to like get to him or they're just trying to get him to answer yeah. the phone. Yeah. And this is a Guy Ritchie uh, yeah. uh, film, yeah. right? Yeah. right? Which uh, I went through a nice little Guy Ritchie phase. That I, I really enjoy some of his mm-hmm. films, yeah. um, his editing style and so forth. Totally. And the cell phone's ringing and the movie ends. Mm-hmm. You know, is so is, is he gonna is he gonna throw the guns right. or is he gonna pick up the selfie? He's gotta do one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Just end the film, it's end, so end, end, cool. and it just cut to black. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> that is perfect. That's, that's the idea of like a perfect ending, as as you can get um, in modern film. It's just it's <laughs> yeah. so cool. And I'm sure some studio people were like, I don't know about this. We need right. some resolution yeah. here. You know, it's, right. it's early. It's early Guy Ritchie too. So it's like you know, he could take those yeah. chances probably and feel you know like. And when the studio re- people, rebel. when the studio people get involved with uh-huh. the endings. That brings us to our low five. Right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> perfect absolutely. segue. But let's hit hit on our honorable mentions real quick before <laughs> we do that low five. Um, mine were some of those early or those late nineties. I keep seeing early the late nineties twist endings. Man, the mm-hmm. sixth sense. I remember mm-hmm. that like kind of 
It kind of blew my mind back in the day. You oh, know? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, I did. It was one of those ones that didn't get spoiled, believe it or not. See, Scream people. as well in 1996. So, like, that was kind of like my gateway back into getting into horror movies. And the same, same mm-hmm. thing. I didn't see it was the Who Done It, and I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite endings of all time, not a movie, but the TV series oh, Sopranos. Oh, Sopranos. Um, all right. All right. Didn't put it on my list, but I love that ending. Talk about cutting to black. We could do a whole, could do, could do a whole podcast on happens. that. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite, one of my favorite endings of the past year, real life ending, the way the Oscars ended when <laughs> La La Land thought they La had La the Land. best picture. La and La then Land. As to, and then how it sweeped out from under, the, it had the carpet pulled out from under right. them. And yeah. sorry, you don't. Moonlight yeah. won. That was a great real life ending because cool. I thought La La Land was a piece of shit. Couldn't so. write it. Couldn't, couldn't um, write that. Ending. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. Good ones. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to name mine off real quick. Uh, like, I'm just going to name this list off. The Thing, There Will Be Blood, Brazil, CQ, Being There, Fight Club, Barton Fink, The Third Man, Carrie, The Mist, a uh, movie called Whiplash, oh, uh, say, say Anything, Usual Suspects, um, Real Genius, <laughs> comedy, uh, from the 80s, uh, Some Like It Hot, uh, Before Sunset, and A River Runs Through It. I'm just going to add that one because I didn't even think of that one. All right. Yeah. There you go. But thanks for adding River and Thread. I, I, I really, was, I really, no, really like that film. How many times has Brad Pitt made, made an appearance? I don't know, man. Six times. Out. All yeah. of them? Okay. Yeah. So I, I have two on my list. Uh, first of all, I should have made Ink an honorable mention. I, I feel kind of stupid for having uh, Ink, Ink my fifth, no, but there are no, no take backs in life, man. right? Yeah. Um, uh, Rocky two. Mm. Yeah. So Rocky and Apollo have both <laughs> ding, kn- knocked ding. each other yeah. out. Yeah. Was it a bell or something? The ref is counting, you know. And at the very last moment, you know, Rocky Rocky gets up. He was great in Creed, by the way. He was. That came out yeah. in a couple of, that I think is his best role ever. Yeah. Okay, yeah, should have won for awesome. that, yeah. Um, uh, no. Uh, the, the the last one on my list is Lost in Translation, oh, which yeah. I can't yeah. believe that didn't make it in my top I five. Thought so about I should have put that in my own mentions. Damn it. But, yeah. you know, what does Bill Murray Fantastic. say to Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson in mm-hmm. that alley? What does it, he say? Does it matter? And it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't matter. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That whole movie just it in is. general is so yeah. beautiful. Because you understand. I mean, you, you could, like, again, if we go back to the look on their faces, the, the actor, you know, the, the director trusts her actors to convey what he said. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need to know. It's, it's in their faces, you know. We, we understand. And, mm-hmm. you, you, know. S- you said her actor is Sofia Coppola. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sofia Coppola. Yeah. I bet you if you get Bill M- Murray drunk enough, he might tell He'll you. He'll probably tell you. Yeah. <laughs> he probably will. But, you know. It'll probably, he probably tells that to everyone, though. It's something <laughs> totally different each time. You know? Yeah. All right. Uh, our low five. So, low five, we were talking about movies that should have ended sooner, and they really didn't. The, Right. Uh, my list so, might be a little different. But yeah. yeah. So yeah. my number five is the Hobbit trilogy. Um, <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, the whole thing. Yeah. I'm, feels like it like it shouldn't have, have even been like three movies. Yeah. It should have been like should one have movie. Been like one or two, maybe. <laughs> maybe so. two. Maybe two. Yeah. So that's that's. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. That's it. Uh, that's my yeah. number five. <laughs> good one. Yeah. That's that's a good one. That's a good one to start off with. Um, my list is a little different. I didn't. I didn't necessarily go with movies that should have ended when they should have ended. But uh, I, I picked a couple of different themes. So uh, my first, my number five is the movie Big. And let me just explain this really quick. So I mean, the ending with Big is is fine. I think it's you know it ends when it should. Um, it's fine. But it's one of those movies where I, when you think about it too much, it starts to like you know kind of get like a little like itch in your head and you start thinking about it and that's my problem with it 
with the whole idea of like the psychological damage that this kid is now going to go through yeah. growing up again because he spent like a whole like I don't know if it was like a month or two as an adult as his as himself yeah. as an adult male where he experienced all these things that now just I mean what is he what is he supposed to do? I mean he basically got a job without a college education, without a college degree. Yeah. And had a successful, awesome job. So what does he do now? He had sex as a little kid. Let's not even talk about like how fucked up that is. The fact that the woman had a, a, a relationship with basically a 12-year-old kid. Anyway, sorry. It's one of those things where I thought about it too much. <laughs> and, I, you know, and it just gets to me and I'm like, wait a minute. But and it's just a movie and it ended when it ended. But whatever. Okay. All right. Continue. Sorry. Okay. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. We'll let that rant. We'll just just, yeah, let, just you, let, let that like lie that, yeah. Don't think about big too much. It'll mess with your head. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure that's it. Any Marshall's intentions were too. I don't think they knew what they were doing. I don't know. Yeah. It's a <laughs> crazy concept. Well, I, 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 my, my number five, I don't feel like it's 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 a very exciting film. that, uh, But it bothered me. The end really like bothered big? me. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was the founder about uh, I, I saw never saw that. that. Yeah, I never saw that. About uh, uh, no, wait, no, I did see that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was thinking of something else. Sorry, I didn't My, see Michael it. Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yes, how he, he steals yes. the whole McDonald's. The whole McDonald's thing. Yeah, he's Roy Kroc. Yeah, he's Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc. Ray, yeah, <laughs> Ray, Ray somebody Kroc. else. Ray Kroc. Yeah. So near the end, there's there's this boardroom scene where Ray Kroc uh, buys each brother out for 1.3 million dollars. Right. Correct. Right. The, the original the original founders of McDonald's. The original yeah. founders of McDonald's. Yeah. That's right. Um, I mean, they conceptualized the whole fast food yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, 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 the, like the, the assembly line thing, idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so anyway, he, he buys both brothers out for $1.3 million. Um, and then there's a bathroom scene where Croc rubs it in one of the brothers' faces again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then there's a scene about the, the brothers are forced to take down the golden arches from their original store, which mm-hmm. is just heartbreaking. <laughs> they started this thing. Mm-hmm. Ray Croc knew yeah. how to market it. Um, uh, but then there's this whole montage of Croc rehearsing his speech that he's about to give to, to I think in the film they referred to then Governor Reagan. Mm. But Croc's going to give a big speech in this ballroom. That's right. And he's re- rehearsing the speech in front of the mirror. Yeah. And I, was, I just thought that was totally unnecessary. You know, I really right. do, I, 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 right. uh, because the movie already shows you what an asshole he mm-hmm. was throughout the whole movie. That's what he throughout is. the whole movie. Yeah. He's just an ass. And then mm-hmm. when he's re- rehearsing the speech, it's, I just maybe as an audience, we're supposed to feel like, oh, he finally feels some guilt here. Right. Right. Or maybe he's coming to terms with things right. about what a dick he was. Right. I'm not sure. But uh, I, I, I just wish it would have ended a little bit sooner. I think you put, I think you, you made a good point. It should have ended with them taking down the Golden Arches. Sure. Why Once not? They, they turn off those lights and take those down, it's like, that's it. That right, they, right. They've, they've been cheated. They've right. been... Uh, and the know. brothers are forced to take down the yeah. Golden Arches because yeah. once they receive that $1.3 million payout... Right. Um, they have to take down the Golden Arches. Right, because they can't be considered as founders along with, you know, it's the whole... Right, yeah. and interestingly enough, in this boardroom meeting, like, I guess in real life, there was a handshake deal that the brothers were supposed to get some of the profits. And they never Ray did. Ray Kroc yeah. never did, and yeah. that would have equated to $100 million per year. Yeah, Jesus. They, they had a handshake deal, yeah. but Ray Kroc... Uh, denied it of course i wasn't in the room so i don't yeah. know the real <laughs> anyways the founder still, is number five yeah. wow yeah. all right i need to watch that it's on netflix mm-hmm. i think yeah. um Three so good. my number four is from this past 
summer. It's uh, Steven Soderbergh's Logan Lucky. Anybody see that? I didn't I see it, know. but go ahead. You did or did I did not. Uh, okay, so spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Just came so, out on DVD. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, Thanks a lot. Soderbergh, they, they like marketed it as Ocean 7-Eleven, so it's like basically the white trash version of a heist they're movie. Hicks. A heist movie, yeah, basically. So they're the it's a heist movie where they rip off uh, a NASCAR, a stadium during a NASCAR event. That's the premise, you know? Right. And it's cool. It's fine. It's entertaining. Um, but... The ending, first of all, like, they go through all this big ordeal to break this dude out of jail to help them pull off mm-hmm. this heist. And then after they pull off the heist, they they never even show you how they get him back into jail, like how they sneak him back into jail. <laughs> okay. All of a sudden, he's just back in jail. You're right. like, what the? Really? Yeah, okay. we're missing something. So, here. okay, whatever. So they, they pull off this heist, and cool. They get away with it. Mm-hmm. should be the end of the movie, you yeah. know, normally. But it <laughs> goes the on. Exe- it, the studio execs <laughs> continue. Well, this must be might be Soderbergh. I don't know, man. So that so then, uh, the main character has like a change of heart and decides he's gonna basically just give the money back. Okay. So he like you know puts all this money in this car and like kind of ditches it to make it kind of to throw them off them. So like to okay. kind of like walk, clean their hands. Like they're not gonna suspect me. I have an alibi and I don't right. have this money. Right. So it's like. So the, I'm like, we went to all this for him just to give the money back? Like, that's an even worse ending, <laughs> oh, dude, I see what you you're know? Saying. Yeah, yeah. It's and just, so. It's not satisfying. Yeah, they, so they then, accomplished their mission. Yeah, and so, and then there's <laughs> like more. another twist where it's oh, like, okay. okay, so he didn't give back all the money. There's some of it still mm-hmm. hidden somewhere else, you know? Okay. And so, and then <laughs> they realize there's like, they're still wow. being watched by the there's FBI or whatever. Yeah, so it's like. So then at the very end of the movie, it's like they're like celebrating, sort of getting away with it in the bar, but yet mm-hmm. they can't spend the money because they sure. think they're still being watched. Right. And then there's like one of these FBI people in the bar like watching them. Mm. So it's like that after the whole pulling the heist off and giving the money back, it's there's like another 25 minutes wow. of this like giving the money back. Weird. Are they going to get away with it or are they not? And I remember I had like – several waters, sodas, and it was one of those things, like, I I was, like, waiting for the end of this movie yeah. to end in the theater. Like, I got to pee, but it should be over in, like, five minutes, right? And it just kept going and going and going. It sounded like, like you could have gone and come back. And, I could have. I should have. Been fine. You know? but, it's wow. even worse when not only should it have ended, yeah. but it feels like it ended. Like, sometimes a film will, like, fade to black. That's and totally you're like, okay, credits yeah. are going to roll. And it fades to black, like, 17 times during the last 20 yeah. minutes. Right? That's yeah. totally oh, that movie. Goodness. So. It's 25 minutes too long and just yeah. unsatisfying too. Yeah. Well, so. speak, that kind of lead, that kind of leads into my uh, number four, um, and this is uh, going with um, tacked on endings. Yeah. Endings that yes. do, aren't completely unnecessary. That's the movie's ended. We don't. That's kind of where my. We don't need too. any follow up or any like postscript or epilogue or anything like that. And my number four is Unbreakable. Fantastic movie. I, this is one of my favorite movies ever. And uh, the very end, um, Bruce Willis discovers that Samuel Jackson is the the terrorist guy who's you know planted all these bombs and everything like that, and you know he's shocked. He's he's brought all this you know death and destruction to the world, and so he leaves to go tell the authorities. And that could have just been it. You know he walks out, and that's when you know he's screaming at him. He's like, I knew there was one of you because there's one of me, and if I'm th- if I'm like this, then there must be my complete opposite. 
So then the movie should just end like that. But then it freezes and we get like this whole like uh, literally words on the screen about how he went to the authorities and they found the authorities found all this bomb making equipment and then they arrested him and then he went to trial and then he's serving like so many years. and It's like so unnecessary. We don't need this follow up news report of what it's not even a news report it's just words on the screen and it's like i don't know if like pe- people were someone was afraid that the audience wouldn't get it that you know that's where he was going i don't know but it's just a bad tacked on you know last minute oh by the way you know let us inform you of what happened just so you know and it's like okay we're yeah. not stupid we, we understand so yeah, yeah that's gotcha. number four yeah Audiences know what's going on. Right. You, don't, you don't have to force feed things. Yeah. Right? yeah. But it's still a good movie. <laughs> uh, my, my turn? Yes. Yeah. Number four? four. Yes, yeah. sir. I'm sorry, guys. Brad Pitt's going to make another movie. Nice. Hey. Money, Moneyball. Oh, okay. Which is a great movie. Yeah. I, I'm, a a ba- movie. I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. And it's hard to make sports movies. It's hard to make a boxing movie. But there's, it's hard all, to make good, a, there's always good baseball movies, though, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes. But, it's you know, it's hard for actors to, to you know, to throw a pitch and make it look real sure. and swing a bat and yeah. make it look real. But I, I thought they did a pretty good job there. Right. So my problem with this one is I would like to reorder the editing of the nice. ending. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or at least cut, or, or at least cut out some things there. Here's, here's, here's uh, the last few moments of the film. Um, the Oakland A's uh, go on a 26 game winning streak. Um, so that's a nice little scene. Mm-hmm. Then Billy Bean, who Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, who was the general manager of the Oakland A's, who had a, this really wonderful, I forget the, what season it was, this really wonderful 26-game winning streak, I think. Anyways, so uh, because of that success, uh, the Boston Red Sox offer him a job. Mm. Um, so he goes to Fenway, and there's a nice little scene there. And then right after that, he's in a town court contemplating that offer. Cut that scene. Okay, not okay. necessary. Yeah. Okay. Then he's in the clubhouse with Jonah Hill, and they're looking. <laughs> they're looking at. And Jonah Hill's amazing. Yeah, he is. I love this movie. He's by really the way. good. Even yeah. even with all That's these. A good movie. Uh, yeah. uh, Scenes I want to count out at the end. Who the heck am I? It's so hard to make a film. It's so hard to make a film. And right. You know what I mean? So who Less is say? more, though, don't they always say Less that? is more. So then he's in the clubhouse, and he has a, it's a nice little scene with Jonah Hill. It's just not necessary. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're in the video room talking about their stuff. So cut that out. Um, so right, just in my opinion, right after, right after he's offered the job at Fenway Park, I think we should cut back to Oakland. Uh, Brad Pitt, Billy Bean lays, it's a beautiful scene, he lays at night in the outfield of the Oakland Coliseum. Mm, mm-hmm. And he's, yeah. you know, he's contemplating the offer. Does he want to do it? Does he not want to do it? And then right after that, the actual last moments of the movie are Billy Bean in his car listening to a DVD that his daughter had made. Right. Because he's really having to, trying to have a better connection she with his daughter. She recorded a song, right? She recorded yeah. a song. Yeah. And boy, it's so beautiful how it, it shot. Is. He's driving over the Oakland Bay Bridge mm-hmm. and you could just see it in his, in, in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And he puts in the DVD and it's her singing a song. Um, I'm just a little bit caught in the middle. Life is a maze and love is a riddle. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. And he, you know, Brad Pitt just gets tears in his mm-hmm. eyes, but I you know, just I, I think that's how it. There were a few scenes prior to that that should have just been, yeah, cut out, which which forced the film to go on about seven minutes too long. Right, I agree. 
Yeah, yeah. that makes perfect sense to me. It needed an editor, and for whatever reason, they felt like they needed to explain more. And it's still it's it's such a great film, though. Uh, yeah. And I have a real connection to that film because it talks a lot about Jason and Jeremy Jambi, mm-hmm. um, yeah. who I went to high school with. Oh, I shit. played ball with Jason no Jambi growing up ever since we were from ten until nice. high school, and it was always very obvious that he was talented. <laughs> right. You yeah. know. But anyways, that's another reason very cool. I really like yeah. the film. Who plays Giambi in that movie? Do you remember? I can't remember. It's I, I, I could I could picture uh, who plays Jason Giambi. Yeah. Jason Giambi, I don't think, makes an appearance oh, okay. in the film because when the film begins, he has just been traded. Oh, okay, that's it. That's it. But yeah. Jeremy Giambi makes an appearance in the film. Right. He's still on the A's when Moneyball is taking place. Okay. That's awesome. Cool. Cool. little tidbit. Wasn't he on the 2007 Rockies? World Series? No, no, that was later no. on. He became a pinch hitter for us later yeah. on. That was it. He came here about he came uh, 2014. No, so. like the, his his last. Yeah, it was like his last year almost. 13, 14, yeah. 15 maybe. Yeah. And then he went to Cleveland for one year and then he was done. Mm-hmm. All right. My number three is not necessarily a movie. It's just. Uh, <laughs> it was not necessarily the, a movie? It was, the, it was all the dream endings, you know? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Those are. Like yeah. Wizard of Oz, Nightmare, Wizard of Oz, on, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street stuff yeah. like that. Like two, mm-hmm. two movies I really love, but it's just like. I just don't know about the it was all a dream ending, you know? It's just sometimes it feels like such a cop out, cop you know? Out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, I mean, I still love those movies, but it I'm just yeah. it's it's been done before now mm-hmm. and it's just not original. It's, yeah. Like you said it's yeah, a cop so, out. So yeah. So my it was all a dream ending number 3. Awesome. Any 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 it was all a dream ending. <laughs> <laughs> any it's all a dream ending. Yeah. I love that. Don't you hate that? Oh, yeah. Boy. TV, movies, anything. Right. All right, uh, my number three is I Am Legend, the uh, Will Smith movie that came out oh, yeah. mm-hmm. some time ago. Yeah, it's on HBO all the time. All still. the time, yeah. Um, they the, the ending of the movie is basically um, completely goes against the whole idea of like even what the title is about. Um, it doesn't make any sense. And they actually shot the original ending, the ending that was in the book, the ending that does make sense, and they cut it out and reshot the bad ending, which is, you know, I think it's been talked about before um i forgot how it ends what's tell me about this bad ending so the bad ending is uh i am legend he's the last man on earth and there's all these like uh, mutant vampires that are running around and i think he captures one of them that might be a female and he's experimenting on it to see like you know like what they're made of and stuff and so they come for it and so there's he finds another woman another human woman and there's a kid i don't remember but anyway, the whole point is he sacrifices himself and he blows up this whole building full of him and all the vampire ali- vampire mutants so that this woman can get away and with her child or something. But that's not the real ending. The ending that was in the book and the ending that makes the point of the title is he survives and he realizes that these creatures are coming for this woman because they care for her and because they want her back. And what he is, he is the monster in the book and in the movie. He's the one who is the, what these, these vampire mutants tell their young, don't go out at night because there's this, there's this other person out there who will kill you if he sees you. Mm-hmm. He's, so he is the legend that they, that they create. And that's why he's, and so he survives and gets to go on. And, and that's what, and the story becomes about him. You know, the, the story that these vampire mutants tell each other. And so that's the whole point of it. That, yeah. And that's what makes it so amazing. Because you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, he <laughs> is, he's the bad guy. You know? Yeah. Um, but they just fucked that. They, they you know, scrapped that and shot this weird, stupid ending where Will Smith is the ultimate hero and he sacrifices himself. And, you know, <laughs> okay, whatever. 
<laughs> so, uh, anyway, so that's right. why it makes gotcha. it bad. Gotcha. Real bad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Are, are we at number three? We're at three, yeah. <laughs> Goodwill hunting. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I so every well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, how, I'll, I'll tell you how it ends. Every single film on this list, I love. By the way, it's a good movie. I like it. It's 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 a it's a great movie, and, and I wouldn't remember the endings that I'm unsatisfied with if it wasn't a good movie. Yeah, that's sure. true. That's true. Right. So, Goodwill Hunting. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but um, I do. Uh, <laughs> near the end of the film, Ben Affleck. And I, I forget his character's name and his brother Casey Affleck. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another guy in the cart. They go to Matt Damon's house mm-hmm. to pick him up for work like they do every single day at like 5.30 or 6 yeah. in the morning yeah. Yeah. on a cold Boston morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ben knocks on the door and, um, uh, boy, I wish I remembered the character's names. Anyways, Matt Damon doesn't answer. Mm-hmm. And Will. Will. Yeah, Will Hunting. Will Hunting. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> That was the dumbest thing I've said all day. <laughs> so Will Hunting doesn't answer the door. So it's right. it's obviously implied that he has left town to uh, pursue his girlfriend, mm-hmm. Minnie Driver. Yep. Yeah. And Ben is so uh, happy. Right. He gets the smirk on his face. He looks back at the car and he shrugs his shoulders to the other guys like he's gone. Yeah. Yep. Cut. <laughs> Cut. Sure. Yeah. Now, now this is just a little thing. So he walks back to the car and the next five minutes, almost the next five minutes maybe, is uh, a shot of of uh, Will Hunting's car driving off into the distance mm-hmm. as the as the credits roll. Right. So as a film school student at the time, I'm just thinking to myself, they probably just spent forty thousand dollars. Yeah. Shooting the tail end of a car for four minutes so they could roll credits over it. Right. Yeah, it should have ended on the porch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it even has like that that great little snippet part where Casey Affleck's been sitting in the back seat like throughout the whole movie. That's just like his place. But now that Will's gone, he jumps out of the back seat and gets in gets in the shotgun. You know, gets in yeah. the front seat. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, you know, he can, yeah, he when, can finally ascend. You know, it's his little he, accomplishment. He, he can finally ascend to the front seat, which <laughs> yeah. which in itself is a cute little moment. Yeah, I guess. it is. So, yeah, you know, end it on the porch or yeah. end it end it yeah. with that moment. Sure. Where, hey, and, they, get, and they drive away. And maybe the credits yeah. just roll with the back of their right. car. Just roll with the back of their car yeah. and just and just cut. But we yeah. don't need to see Will Hunting driving off into the distance yeah. right. as we shoot. And they did shoot that on film. I'm shoot sure. in and process <laughs> for 40, probably $40,000 worth of film. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my number two. My number two is that movie I love too. Like grew up on, you know, it's like seen it a million times, Back to the Future, 1985. Like the ending. Really? Yeah, I mean, I feel wow. like. They could have just wrapped it up like he makes it back. He changed history, you know. The the, sure. the, the, the yeah. his family's successful and what what not, you know. But then the part, where, you know, the whole part where he comes we back gotta and go we got to we got to do our kids turn yeah, into assholes or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. We got to go to the future. You right, know, it's your kids. Something's yeah. got to be done about your kids. And yeah, you know. Then all of a sudden the thing flies. Yeah, the DeLorean and turns. Then the DeLorean flies for away. the video release. They tacked on the to be continued, to be continued at the yeah. end, and I just yeah. feel like. They wrapped up that story so neatly. They did. Yeah. Why, like, I felt like they forced a sequel by that ending, you know? I think that, I, I agree. I think that ending would have been so great if they never made a part two or three. Because then you just. And never put to be continued? Ne- never, well. Or put to be continued. Either way, either way, to be continued or not, 
I think if they I mean, we talked about the ever, flaws if, of this if movie we had never seen, if they never made a part two or three, that would have been the greatest ending of all time. Because now you're like, wait a minute, they never made a sequel? Like, that deserves a sequel. But nope, you don't get it because you just, that's it, you know? Well, I, they, see, they, I their, their adventure continues, on, so. and that's, that's, that's it. I feel like that was even tacked on, so. Right. That's okay. my number two. All right. <laughs> Pretty good. All right, my number two is The Shining. I like this oh, movie. Oh, man. Well, uh, that's my number one, so let's talk about it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to talk specifically about the very, very, very end. Uh, I think, it, again, it could have ended with him frozen in the hedge maze. Totally should have. Exactly. We didn't need to see the the shot of the, the picture mm-hmm. of the, the, the New Year's Eve in 1921 or whatever, and yeah. he's in the center, and now it's like, okay, like, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, whatever. Who cares? Uh, you know, okay. Yeah. Completely I've, superfluous and unnecessary and whatever you want. Is that say. the last moment of the film? The it shot is. of that mm-hmm. photograph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the just, shot of the yeah. photograph. Yeah, zooming into the photograph from like he starts outside the hotel and then goes into the hotel and, and then it's the hallway just and slow zoom, slow and zoom, dolly into this. Right, Kubrick right. certainly has an explanation for that. I'm sure he does, but it's like you know his, his little coy. I felt like it was like little coy, like oh, look at this, you know, like oh, I bet you don't know what this means. And it's like I mean, I felt you. like it was that's so I obnoxious mean, too when a director's like, I bet you don't know what this means. Right, right. Guess what this is supposed yeah. to mean. I mean, I think it was supposed to like sort of blow your mind, but it's right. kind of unnecessary. It's right. totally unnecessary. Like, it's, it's, can it just be about a haunted hotel and a guy that goes insane? Exactly, exactly. You know, not that yeah. he like has come back reincarnated like, and what is this supposed somehow, to mean? You know, or, it means you know. that you don't know what the. F- yeah. You know what the hell you were doing. Yeah. So anyway. That was my number one. So Right on, man. We, we agree on that then. So I'm yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. What's uh, Jeff, what is your number two, man? Another film I love. All right. But All Shawshank right. Redemption. I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, I lo- another Stephen King here. Yeah, another Stephen um, King. Yeah. But Shawshank I do. Wow. I love The Shining, too. I'll, I'll just get that off my chest. Okay. But, yeah. And I love Shawshank, too. So, so if we do a Colorado uh, films in Colorado, we're going to have to talk about The Shining? Because uh, it wasn't really shot here, though. Maybe it wasn't Maybe. shot here, though. Actually, the television, the television, the television one was. Right. Yeah, Chris was in it. I was. I was an extra oh in that. Gosh, <laughs> let's talk about that next yeah, time. Exactly, <laughs> Chris. Yeah, I was Come like in the, in the audience, and I fake clapped. It was like <laughs> they were like clapped. The, the director, like Mick Garris, dude. He was the director, and he was like. Okay, you know, you guys are going to have to not really clap, but just act like you're clapping. Not make any noise. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And you, you, you made screen time. Mm, not really. Maybe uh, Back of your head? Or... Maybe if you, like, paused it and was like, okay, you know. So, yeah. yeah it's like, back of your head. I'm, like, maybe. one of, like, maybe 150 people in the audience. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah. I love that. Good story. Okay, uh, Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption. <clears throat> I mean, we just don't need the last shot of the film where mm. where Red and Andy Dufresne um, hook up on the beach and say Montenegro. So, would you have ended it with him by the little um, wall, or would you ended it with him saying like, "I hope I meet my friend. I hope the beach is as, as beautiful as it is in my dreams," and the and the bus drives away. I think maybe over I the will, hill. I may have ended it on the bus. The bus, yeah. Okay. And then because him it, saying like, "I hope I hope the beach is as beautiful as my dreams. I hope yeah. you know, hope my friends there." Blah, blah, blah. I mean, the whole film is yeah. about hope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you you know, I, I just don't think, and aesthetically, when they cut to that scene on the beach. Uh, 
aesthetically it's just so much more different than the whole I, thing. I agree. Suddenly I it's agree. sunshine and perfect yeah, blue waters. Perfect blue. Yeah, everything's perfect, yeah. And, and it just bothers me how Red just happens to find the beach where Andy Dufresne Yeah, goes. and if, when they zoom like, out, there's nothing around there. Yeah, that would have been a hard find. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. That would have been a really hard Logistically find. Logistically speaking, that like... definitely feels like one of those how do you get there? studio pressures to tack well, on this a little bit, could, you know. The director probably wanted to end it on at, at, the, at the wall. Yeah, or at the wall, or at or the bus. On the, on the bus, bus, yeah. Or I, for me, it kind of did the opposite because it felt like like it was so perfect that this had to be heaven and they were dead. So for me, it was like they're 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 dead. Like that can't be real. I could see why you. I could see and why so you that's say where, that. That's where that's where my like that. that's sort of where my brain went. It was like wait well, a minute. Yeah, and like Jeff said, the just visually, you know. Yeah, because it, it did so it didn't match the rest so of the movie. So maybe there's something there, like what what you're but talking that was just about. My, like, like, they are in heaven because the aesthetic. Changes so right. much that yeah, yeah, I mean, there's something there, Demi. Because it just yeah. reminded me of death, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, huh. fair enough. That's just my interpretation. My number one was the shining. The shining. Ending, so yeah, man. You, I I, I agree. One? It was just you know, it was one of those unnecessary things. Yeah. And Stanley Kubrick was just out of his mind. All right, my number one, <clears throat> a movie that I also very much enjoy and very much love, uh, fave, fave childhood memory, uh, movie of mine. Is Superman the movie? Uh, Christopher Reeve, 1978. Richard Donner directed. <sighs> okay, so this movie was is a I think one of the best comic book adaptations ever made, and it's you know it's a fine movie from beginning to almost the very end where, okay, Lex Luthor launches these two nuclear weapons, and one goes one direction and one goes another direction, and. One of them hits the San Andreas Fault, causes a huge, massive earthquake. Lois Lane gets caught in it, and she dies. Superman comes back to her, finds her dead body, freaks out, and then starts flying around the Earth to make the <laughs> to travel back in time. Which yeah. okay, if he just traveled back in time, like he's so fast that he managed this, you know, he, you know, he went past the speed of light, blah blah blah, whatever. Give me some science fictiony shit. I don't care. But the fact that they showed him revolving, stopping the Earth revolving, and then revolving backwards, and then showing like all this like footage playing backwards of like everything's resetting itself, just makes no freaking sense whatsoever. And I know it's a comic book movie, but it was just, oh god, it was so badly done. Maybe that was and just radical at the time. Ruins Let, let's the play movie. This fo- footage backward destruction. Yeah, backwards. I mean, like, a, I, I, you like could have gotten that from just showing him like flying towards the sun. He comes back. Hey, I traveled back in time. Fine, but this and it's felt like such a cheap like I'm gonna solve everything by by going back in time. Okay, now we're okay. Now everything's fine. It's like it's would have been. I mean, they couldn't have done it because it would have been too way too radical at the time. But the fact that he had to like choose between saving people and saving Lois Lane, and he chooses the people over her, and he would have been awesome. Deal with her death, right? He had to deal with her death. He couldn't save her, and that drives him nuts. Wow, that would have been amazing. But I mean, just think of I just felt like the writers ran out of an idea out of ideas and it's like uh he solves it by time travel whatever <laughs> you know and it just it, it still ruins the movie for me i can watch that movie anytime and i get to that point and i'm like you got to be kidding me every single time i can't i can't even hardly remember the film but now i want to watch it just just the, to see what, just pi- the, what pisses you him off so much flying around the earth and the earth like literally stopping rotation and then start going yeah. backwards and then all the footage Playing backwards, like, and here's the here's the Hudson Dam going back to normal, and here's like all the earth. 
Um, this makes me want to watch all the films that you guys hated the endings of. Just so <laughs> yeah. there's there's a really interesting part though that I, I will say in that scene where Lois Lane is like caught like in her car in this landslide, she like falls into this like crevasse or something, and all this like earth and rock is like filling in her car, and she's like basically being crushed to death. There's a shot where she, the, the actress Margot Kidder, is in that in the rock being buried alive. It looks like she's actually struggling to get a breath. And so I wonder if like, <laughs> she's not acting. She literally looks like she's like, oh, crap, like I'm suffocating. Yeah. Watch that scene again. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty raw. And you, I think to yourself, like, wait a minute. I don't think she's acting. She looks like she's actually like, help me. <laughs> help me, Superman. So anyway, yeah, Superman right. the movie. Superman very good stuff. Movie. You felt very strongly about that, and I feel yes. very That's strongly. That's why it was number one. That's why it was number one. I Always. feel very I... strongly about my number one. Yes, right. sir. Shawshank. Mystic River. Oh, Mystic River. Nice. Um, God, one of those things. I remember like it being a great movie. It's been so long since I've seen it. Like, movie. It's a great not, movie. I want to hear your and beef with the ending. About, about eight or ten minutes before the end of the film, there's a scene where Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon are out on the porch. And Kevin Bacon says to, says to Sean Penn, when is the last time you saw Dave? Dave's the, the guy who was killed in the film. Yeah. Um, and it's very obvious that, sh- that uh, Sean Penn had something to do with this. Yeah. And Sean Penn walks away from the camera, kind of spreads his arms like this, turns his back to Kevin Bacon, spreads his arms and goes, right. Again, we should have just cut right there. Kind you got shrugs. You, you got watch this again, Chris, because I want to see what you think about this. Yeah. And then it goes on for another eight minutes about this conversation with. Uh, um, I forget what the conversation was. Maybe it was uh, Sean Penn and his wife in the bedroom, and then a carnival scene for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Weird. The movie is over. Yeah. 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 The movie is over when Sean Penn stre- spreads his arms as if yeah. to answer the question that Kevin Bacon just asked him. Right. When's the last time you saw Dave? Yeah, That's yeah, it. that would have been because it's 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 he he took justice into his own hands basically, and yeah. that's, no, the, that's the that's the that's the resolve of it, you know. Yeah, that's all we need to know. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I, I don't even remember the carnival scene. I think that's for me. Like, I just I've you know repressed it or something because I felt like the same way. Like, yeah, yeah who the knows? movie ended. Well, and it's so way funny. Before it, that. Like, this is a big, pretty long like. Hollywood movie. It's not something that they're like. We need to add ten more minutes so we can make it feature length to market it or something. Yeah, that's, you know, that's funny. Like it was yeah. like a yeah. sixty-five minute movie that we need to add a few minutes that's to. True. Like, you know, that's true. That is I a just weird, don't get weird it. decision. I just don't get it. Who who directed that? That's a good oh. question. It's wasn't not, it a Sean it, Penn film? No, no it's not. It Cl- wasn't. Is it Clint Eastwood. It, oh, it would. It was Clint Eastwood. Is it Clint Eastwood? Yeah. Totally yeah. Clint Eastwood. So who's going to tell him what the fuck to do? There's, right. a million peop- there's a million people listening to this podcast right now Googling this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was I'm, pretty, I'm pretty, pretty sure it was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he it was does, He does have a, a hard time ending his movies. He does kind of stretch his tendency to stretch out his endings. Well, it's the same thing, though. I mean, he's Clint Eastwood. Who's gonna, he right. gets Final Cut. Who's going to fucking he, tell yeah, him? He he does get, yeah. He's this super awesome thing to work with. He's super great to work I liked Unbreakable. What am I saying? What was the the Western? Unforgiven. Um, Unforgiven, thank you. Yes, I think that's Oh, that movie's so good. That movie's so good. And a good ending. All right, speaking of endings, our podcast here has come to an end. Yes, sir. Uh, Before we uh, totally let you go, um, Jeff, anywhere, uh, anybody want to check out some of your work other than the stuff we directed them to on Amazon Prime? Do you have a website or anything that... Yeah, I yeah I have a website. It's super easy to easy to get to. It's called jeffpointer.com. Nice, <laughs> and excellent. That's J 
for all your F-F. That is J-E-F-F. Yeah, jeffpointer.com. Is there like, like a portfolio video sample demo reel on there or anything? There's, there, there's just several. There's a few pages. There's a page full of ads, like commercials I've shot. There's a page of films that I've shot. Also a page called Places, which is a collection of a bunch of footage I've shot over the years that had no other place to go. Cool. So I just cut my own montages together. Oh, shit. I'm going to check and, that out. And put that on like places like the Taj Mahal in India. Nice. And just other places I've traveled around that I didn't know what else to do with the footage. So. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Sell it. Stock footage. That. So. I, I, wish I, <laughs> I, I wish I could, but I don't think I yeah. technically own that footage. Uh, I think the producers probably uh, do. Well, yeah. anyways, cool. Well, thank you so much. Cool, thanks for man. You uh, guys are so you guys are so good. It was so yeah. it was so much fun doing this. You guys have such a good banter together too. You're great hosts for this. So well, well, well. I wish you all the luck, and I'm going to keep watching to the, uh, listening to the podcast. Thanks, thanks sir. Appreciate it. Uh, give us a review on iTunes and send us an email if you have any suggestions for uh, future shows. High five, download podcast at gmail.com. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye bye.